Allie, do you want to help me with these teaching sheets today? Thank you. Maybe your sister can help you too. Thank you, girls. You know, as I was contemplating our time together today, I, I was reminiscent of how over the years God has shown us phenomenal things in that are part of the nativity story. Point after point after point of really deep spiritual truth has been um, opened up before us through the direction of the Spirit over the years. And a couple of years ago, before things kind of went haywire, I, I started to compile those, and I, I felt, you know, I probably need to write a Christmas book that talks about the pneumaticos principles that are just everywhere there that are often simply overlooked or or unseen, but um, maybe maybe the Lord will want that for next year. We'll see. But I I was thinking about the the story of of grace and partnering and supplication, and I was thinking about point by point by point of things that the Lord has shown us. And I on Friday I started asking the Lord, and I felt this was from Him. Certainly with the mag, mag, magnificent gift of all gifts, the coming of our Lord, the, the, the brief accounts that we have surrounding his birth, uh, there, there's got to be more pneumaticos understanding there than we have focused on. And we've focused on a lot of them over the years. And um, so... Yesterday, during prayer time, I started to read the story as told in the book of Luke, and as I, uh, as I was reading, I noticed that both Zacharias and Mary were troubled, and, and it just kind of stood out to me, there's, there's a deeper meaning in, in that, and so we want to talk about it today. It's not just in the it's not just in the uh, the story of the coming of Jesus. It's it's in many places throughout the te- the New Testament, and it does have meaning for us in the things that we've experienced in intercession, and and it has great meaning for us in how God moves among the saints in a dramatic way according to His timing. And so I started studying about that, and I was thinking about it, and I looked at um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of places in the Scripture where this word is used, and then I looked at how, how this word was used by the common people uh, in the centuries leading up to the time of the writing of the Scriptures. And really, the word trouble is terrasso. It's for me. It's where etymologically we get our word terrace from, which means it extends out from the norm. It extends out from your your place of comfort. It 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 extends out from your place of dwelling, or perhaps something extends into that place of dwelling. And this word was used 
in many ways to describe an unusual disturbance. Uh, it was used to describe when people in their natural lives would, would, would have an interjection of things they weren't expecting and it just upset the whole reality of who they were. Or it was used to describe cities or states that were subjected to uh, a, a, a thing that was occurring amongst them that was, to say unusual, would be an understatement. Something that was changing. Something that was just rocking them. And so this word was used not just somebody being scared or somebody uh, being perplexed. It, it always denoted something that was a radical change from the norm and something that was of lasting effect. In fact, I didn't list this, this scripture. Well, one of the derivations of it in, in the New Testament is when in Ephesus, um, the, the silversmiths and the people who made icons and, and different little uh, depictions of Diana or any of the other demonic beings, um, those guys said, hey, these, these people are preaching their gospel and it's destroying our business. And so Demetrius went around and he started stirring up trouble and the whole city became troubled. They became in an uproar and they filled that stadium, tens of thousands of people. And for, for hours they shouted, great is Diana of Ephesus. And that, that is a troubling. And, but it wasn't just the event. It was the fact that there, there was a, that, that was a climactic spiritual warfare moment. And what Paul had been bringing and what the Ephesians had been welcoming and, and the strides that were made uh, for the kingdom of light versus the kingdom of darkness, that moment meant something. And, and as is always the case where this word is used. And so but in the first two passages that I've listed there for you on our teaching sheet, you have first Zechariah, which is really a story. He and Elizabeth was really a story of supplication. We've taught on that in the past, how that uh, Gabriel comes to him and says that your deasis, your, your supplication was heard. And we talked about how that probably he and, and Elizabeth had stopped praying that supplication decades before because it had to do with some covenant of them having a child. And they were they were as good as dead, <laughs> according to the scripture. They were so old that they, they, were, they weren't thinking about children. And that thought had drifted by long ago. And so here comes Gabriel, and he says, your supplication was heard. And it, it, uh, it really was a testament of how we partner with God in, in supplication regarding things that God wants to do that are not on our timetable. And I, I rejoiced in that. But I saw that Zechariah saw Gabriel and was troubled, and then fear fell upon him. We're going to talk about that here in just a moment, because that is a recurrent combinative there uh, throughout the Scripture. The second one was in uh, verse 28 of Luke 1, in regard to when Gabriel came to Mary and said, Hail, you are highly favored. You are moving in grace. That's the word point blank for grace, caris. And the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, note this, 
when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. She wasn't troubled because she saw him. She was troubled at the power of what he released in that word from the throne. I think that's very interesting. And, and she cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said to her, fear not, Mary. Um, the disciples in Matthew 14, when Jesus was walking toward them on the water, they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit. They cried out for fear. But Jesus straightway spoke to them and said, be of good cheer, it is I, don't be afraid. Let's talk about this for a moment. We're going we're gonna to explore for our own walk what this troubling really means and why there is always an admonition not to be afraid because of it. Let's clarify a couple of things, first of all. Um, just because you see an angel doesn't mean that this type of commotion begins. Because it just, it's just not that factor. I mean, right now, there are angels all over this place. I see three of them right now. I'm not troubled at all because I don't really know what they're here to do. And I know that it's benevolent, and I'm grateful for them being here. And I also recognize that the three I see are probably just a fraction of the ones that are really here. So just seeing an angel is not something that promotes this kind of troubling. Now, in the Old Testament, they had, they had uh, developed among the people of God the, the myth that if you saw an angel, you were, you were dead meat. You're going to die. And so that could produce fear, and that could produce all kinds of palpitations. But that's not this type of trouble. There's a difference between this word and somebody being scared or, 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 or immediately frightened by the appearance. But this type of trouble does generate something in the spirit realm. It means that something is happening that is tangible. And when this kind of things happens, it has an effect on who you are. I suspect that as your spirit begins to sense this, your adrenal gland begins to go on overdrive because your body is facing something that it can't really explain. It's, it's being overwhelmed by a dictate from the throne, which is why I would think that at certain points in heaven, when God speaks, everybody just goes out. They're, they're on their face. Or when God came at the temple, at that dedication, when God initiated what that place was supposed to be, everybody went out and they could not minister. It, there, there was, even though that's the Old Testament, there was a troubling as a result of the timing of God and something that God was opening or God was doing, and it, is, it, it, it generates a visitation of uh, something that uh, is, is hard to, to deal with, which is why the angel and then Jesus would say, fear not. He would address that, uh, that reaction in the spirit realm. Not necessarily, you know, again, there are always going to be people that are just excitable. And I'm, I'm not 
making fun of anybody. But there's just some folks, if you come around the corner too much, they'll jump and holler. And, you know, it's just part of who they are. And I kind of enjoy that at times if I know who those people are. However, um, I'm not really saying that this word has anything to do with that. What I'm saying is that when this word is present in the word of God, it indicates that something is being released from the throne, and that release is a dynamic of power. And you've experienced these kinds of things. You, you cannot predict them. You cannot manufacture them. If, if, and, and see, that's where a lot of, uh, a lot of times, um, uh, how can I say this? People who are, who are desirous of the spiritual they don't understand this. They want this happening all the time. And, and it cannot happen all the time because if it did, that would somewhat water down the, the timing of God. And when God says, it is time. Does that make sense? Uh, it's kind of like eating a birthday cake. This is a bad illustration. But if you ate birthday cake every 10 minutes of the day, Pretty soon you'd be as big as a gourd, but you you would lose the. Did you ever have a really good dessert? And when you first start eating it, man, oh man, it's just amazing. I like Sandra's cake, but after about four pieces of that cake at a board meeting, you know, I think I need to stop eating. You've seen that, haven't you, Sandra? And and you know, so it it you can't you can't when God moves in this way. I wish there was a different word, because trouble kind of reminds you of the music man. We got it right here in River City. You know, it's like something bad has happened. But this doesn't mean something bad has happened. This means that God has released something that is invading your, your reality. And it is troubling things on every, it is stirring things on every level. And it, you, you, need to be, you need to be issued the directive, don't fear, so that the, the, the event itself can be processed properly and that you don't go off and miss the point. Does that make sense? And so I, I just think it's interesting that Mary, when she saw him, was troubled at his saying. And that really speaks it right there, because seeing him was undoubtedly a, an amazing event for her, but the thing that really brought the stirring was what he said and what that meant in the spirit realm. And so I was studying this. Um, I, had, I had the privilege of uh, being at home alone for a good portion of the day yesterday, which I always cherish, because... Um, Mom and mom and sister were over at Pastor Fabian's house processing through, I guess, baby clothes, huh? What an event. I'm sorry I missed that. <laughs> but I was studying this, and, and I noticed that I had, I had my two computer screens, but I hadn't turned on the light in the room, and, and I had no other lights on in the house. The whole place was dark. And I recognized, my goodness, it's, it's, already, it's already dark. I should go turn some lights on. Why I thought I needed to, I don't know. Maybe I just wanted to, you know, let everybody know in the neighborhood that there was somebody in the house. 
So I start going down the stairs, and it's dark. And all of a sudden, I was gripped by, I would say, fear. But it was, I, I recognized that the Lord was showing me this not from the standpoint of just an intellectual pursuit to bring a word and, a, and a pneumo, to further our pneumatikos understanding, which is always a treasure. But he was really showing us somewhat of where we are right now as saints and what is happening, what he's beginning to do in the histemi points, which we've talked about for weeks, and what, what is starting to, uh, how God is starting to invade our, our known reality with something in his timing and something that he's starting to manifest. So I start coming down the steps. I'm halfway down the steps and I think, all right, why am I feeling this way? I walk through this house in the dark all the time. In fact, in the morning, you know, I don't turn any lights on. I know this place like the back of my hand. And, um, but I started to feel this. And so I thought, okay, I need to go into uh, my ninja mode, you know. If there's something weird going on in the house, I need to be ready because I'm, I'm such an intimidating individual, you know. And But then I recognized, no, this is something different, and it was not getting lighter. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't dissipating. It was becoming more profound. And so I walked over and turned on a light in the living room, and I walked through the bedroom. I walked through the bathroom. And, of course, you know, I start praying in the Spirit. You know, I'm praying out loud in the Spirit. You know, I, I, I know that's what I'm supposed to do, but it's kind of like... Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of like a defense mechanism. <laughs> do any of you do that? I don't know. Maybe you don't. So I'm walking through, and this, this is not lifting. I mean, and I, I walked through one, one part of our house, and I felt like I had entered into another land almost, and I, and I skipped back because I, I thought in an instant, if I go there, how am I going to get back? I don't have any voice to follow back in here. And, you know, it was really a strange feeling. And this went on for 20, 25 minutes. I was glad I was home alone. And so I thought, well, all right, Lord, this is, this really is something. And I could, I could feel my, my physical, my spidey sense was tingling. You know, I could feel, I was hyped up on adrenaline and, and I, I was so, I could understand why the angel would say, fear not, or Jesus would say, fear not. You have to tamp it down and recognize that this is not uh, DEFCON 5. This is something that has meaning in the spirit realm. So I thought, well, okay. It took me about 20 mi minutes to realize all this, you know, because I had walked through the house just to verify that this really was a spiritual encounter and there wasn't some numbskull lurking behind a door, you know. And so I thought, well, I'm going to turn on some some music. So I turned on the latest Rick Pino album, and I start worshiping. And I'm just walking around the room, and this, this feeling is not dissipating. I mean, it is just as heightened. And, and so I had just been studying all these verses, and I thought, okay, Father, as I was, as I was singing, I said, um, what does this mean for where we are? Because I know that this signifies 
a change. I know that it is an entry into a, a, a miraculous, um, a, a miraculous transition of sort. He's been warning us about transition, but I know that this indicates something of great significance in in the kingdom, and so I just laid there then and waited until I felt things kind of get back to whatever normal was, and I was really grateful for that. And so I got up and I turned off the music, and and about ten minutes later, uh, Katie and Debbie came in. I didn't say anything to them about it because I thought, well, this was something that. How do you say that? I mean, you don't want to sound super spiritual. I just had this great counter encounter with the Lord. Now you two are here. It's done. You don't want to say anything like that because you sound like a nimrod. And, you know, so I just kind of kept it to myself. And um, this morning early I got up and I started looking over these verses again. And I recognized that we really are, uh, we've we've encountered these kinds of things, these, these, these stirrings. And I think that you know, they're, they're throughout the Scripture, so this isn't some weird, goofy thing that we're doing. It is right there embedded in the Nativity story, and it's throughout the Scripture. You know, like when uh, in John 5, 4, when Jesus went to the pool of Bethesda, and the blind guy, uh, the lame guy is saying, the blind guy may have been saying it too, but the lame guy says, um, you know, at a certain point, at a certain season, a Kairos moment, um, this water is, is troubled. And, and it wasn't just some little bubbles coming up from an artesian um, fracture in the earth. I mean, there was something there that happened. Jesus did not correct him. Jesus did not refute him. Jesus did not take that time to say, oh, you people are so superstitious. Don't you know that the King of Kings is here? He didn't say any of that. This was, there was an opening in that place. And for all of those people to be there, it had to be more than just a rumor. You know, for all those people to be there on those five porches, there had to be some, you know, there had to be the goods there. And, and so, but this guy characterizes it as this word. And he says, whoever is first into the water after the troubling of the water ceases uh, is made whole of whatever disease is there. Um, that's kind of an interesting thing. Now, we could talk about that for a while, but, but, I, but I do believe that this is, this is something that happens um, um, not just with the declaration from the throne, which is the ultimate, but in, in juncture points, whether it's portal openings or whether it's a visitation upon a land when the saints come in, we've seen that on so many occasions where there have just been amazing climactic reactions, uh, snowfalls in places that don't get snowfall, torrential rains, temperature changes, uh, 40 degrees or so. Um, we've seen that over and over again, and I, and I know that that meant something of a change at the time, 
I think that where God is wanting us to, to go to is to recognize that when that moment happens, and you've, you've got to be able to discern the difference between this kind of thing and a regular visitation or a, some kind of a manifestation uh, or, or an angelic um, visitation, um, you, you, we've got to be able to to recognize the difference between those two things and not clamor after this troubling so much that we try to force it in everywhere. Because then that kind of, that first of all, it doesn't work. But secondly, it, it really makes your message look like you don't know what you're talking about. And as messengers, we've got to make sure that we are delivering what he says and not going beyond it or not trying to embellish it. You know, I, I think that I think that there is a there is a point of em, empowerment that comes with this kind of thing, and and I, I believe that um, like like the healing I, this was this pool of Bethesda obviously was some significant deposit of the esteme in the esteme, and and I I believe that um, it's significant too that after the troubling, immediately after the troubling, whatever God was doing in, in, in however he was stirring that, once it was done, the, the result of it, that the timing, you wait for the fullness of the timing, then that was there. And I'm sure that there were people that dove in as soon as the water started agitating, however it appeared. Um, I'm sure that there were people that just kind of lingered in the pool so that they, um, along the side, along the edge, uh, waiting for it to happen so that they would just be the immediate jolt. But the Bible says that after the troubling, the first one in. And that's, that's an interesting thing. That in itself is timing. That in itself is timing. And so you have to wait until that perfect work is done, and then you recognize and you move on it. That is a significant thing for us as saints. And this has, this has meaning for you. Uh, if you were to think back on visitations that God has given you in your prayer times, and you, you cannot create them, you cannot manufacture them, you cannot think because, oh, one of them hasn't happened for a while, I must be missing God. Again, we've got to be more mature than that. We, 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 cannot, we cannot succumb to that kind of infantile um, rationalization. Um, but, but I can remember a lot of different things with you that God did that were just phenomenal over the years. But then I remember certain times where it was beyond the pale. I remember times where I wasn't able to breathe. And, then, and I thought back in retrospect to this, what was happening right then? And how were we changed after that? Because that was something that was different than any of the other things that we've experienced or that I've experienced. And there was a change that happened then. And, and I know that you've had times like that. You know, you've had stirrings in, in the central place of your spirit, the ma'ah, the troubling there, not trouble, but stirring there. And we've talked about how that's the entrance of something in partnering with God, the, the, the partnering with God to, 
to um, maybe the deposit of hope that that then you bear that you bear that until it comes about. Um, we we we've experienced that, but but even that I believe is as a demonstration of this larger thing. And so you have you have Zechariah and Mary. You have the disciples on the water. Um, and, and again, I've often wondered about that, you know, because they saw Jesus walking. I mean, they'd been with him for a while. I know the idea of somebody walking on water would be startling, but they'd seen Jesus do a lot of startling things. I mean, come on, really? Uh, and and so for them to be so dare I say, whacked out by this. And they said, it is a spirit. Right in the middle of it, though, you see this troubling. And that was more than just being scared. That was more than just um, being reactionary. These were seasoned disciples who had their faults, but they knew Jesus. And, and you know, he says to them, be not afraid, be of good cheer. And I think that it would be good for you to look at what happens after this because that was a visitation of sorts. Yes, him walking on the water, that was unusual. But this troubling inter, inter, interjected there meant that this was a moment of amazing import. And it wasn't just because he was walking on water. It was that, that something was being changed and it was monumental. Now, with all that being said, and we could talk, we could swap stories for a while. I mean, I'm not saying strange things to you that you've not experienced. I mean, you've had these kinds of things, and in their treasures in the Lord. I just think that it's interesting that, you know, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, uh, I know that this, this means something for us. And it's not just because it's the nativity time and we're looking at, at Christmas-themed uh, passages, but to, to see that interjected there and to recognize that there was a directive not to fear. In other words, don't react in the natural to this. This is something that is, that is spiritual. Your, your body is... Is, uh, is, is now mobilized in a fight or flight thing. You're, you're on overload. Something, the, 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 mag, the magnificence of this uh, is, is, is really triggered every part of who you are. And, but, but that in itself is not why this is happening. So calm that down and see now what it is that I'm saying and what's happening. I just think this is, uh, this is an astounding thing. So how do you process this? Um, well, there are, there are three things that on page two we can look at. How does this troubling affect your spirit? How does this troubling affect your soul? And how does this troubling affect your heart? And what do you do about these? And these are scriptural directives that I think we need to look at. Now, trouble in spirit. Both of these are, 
illustrations of our Lord. The first one was at the tomb of Lazarus in John eleven thirty three, And I think we would all agree that there are so many nuances in this story that just don't make sense in the natural. You know, he's close to these three people, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They're, they're extended family to him. And uh, the word comes that Lazarus is dying. Jesus, you better get over there quick. And he, I don't know whether he was dilly-dallying and lollygagging. I don't know what Hebrew word or Greek word you could say. Those Neither of them are Greek or Hebrew. But he wasn't in any hurry to get there. In fact, he was deliberately staying back. So he comes. There are all these professional mourners there. And um, he gets the word from... Um, from these women who are kind of saying, you know what, uh, if you'd been here, you know, this this wouldn't have happened. You know, kind of that backhanded. Do you ever have anybody say that to you, you know? Uh, they're not saying, where were you? But they're saying it in a way that, you know, with all due respect. Anybody that says with all due respect, that means they're about to slap you, and they don't want to hold you to hold them accountable. Um, anyway, so... Jesus sees her weeping, and the Jews also weeping with, came with her, and he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Now, whatever we might be able to surmise about the story of Lazarus, this was a moment of profound import. And Jesus was waiting on the timing of the Father, and he groans in spirit. And he's troubled there. Now, what we have learned from the study of the Scripture about our spirit is that it is that which God gives us when we come into this world. And every person has that. Every person is going to give that up when they die, just as Jesus did. But the, the thing that activates that spirit is when we become born again in spirit and in truth through the blood of Jesus, and only through the blood of Jesus. And um, I, I know that that deposit of God's Spirit within us is, is really like the energy force. It's the fuel force. It is, it is the, the, the DNA structure of the kingdom concerning what we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do. And... Um, you know, we've studied a lot about the Spirit. We know that when we pray in tongues and we pray in diversities of tongues, the Bible says that our spirit prays. We're communicating with the Father. We're talking His mysteries from that place. And so this being troubled in spirit and groaning there really had to do with what Jesus' mission was from the Father. And to me... If I had people that were questioning me, and I had lots of weeping and wailing going on, and I had people that I'm thinking, what in, the, what in the Sam Hill are you doing here, you professional mourners? You're just irritating me. I would have been, I would have been troubled in more than spirit. You know? How about you? But this, whatever this moment was, whatever... God orchestrated the timing of Jesus delaying his coming, in our human viewpoint, to that tomb. Um, whatever all of this was for 
was a moment of stirring. It was a moment of troubling. And Jesus recognized that in spirit. The same, the same thing happened in John 13, just two chapters later. Um, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, saying, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Now, he already knew that one of them was going to betray him. That was prophesied. But knowing this troubling really made him know, all right, it's begun. So then, okay, let's us girls talk. Not long after that, he's in Gethsemane, and he's on his face, and he's praying, Abba, and he's saying, if it be your will, let this cup pass, and he's saying those things. And some commentators would say, you know, he was really trying to get out of the cross, you know, the magnanimity of, uh, of, of what he was going to have to suffer was just so overbearing, and he was really trying to negotiate. None of that was happening. He was affirming his will uh, to be submitted to the will of the Father, that, to, to that fundamental. This was uh, like, I, I believe that this John 13 was really the moment where he knew, okay, the prophecy's going to, this is the time. And that's troubling. He recognized it in spirit. And then what happened in Gethsemane was really an intercessory positioning and a negotiation, the commitment to Abba, uh, dealing with the demonic forces that were coming. Um, he, he, we don't really know which part of the cup he was negotiating there. But it wasn't that he was trying to get out of the cross. Uh, he was trying to avoid the cross. That's ludicrous. The whole reason he came was for that re purpose. But he was troubled in spirit. So something registered within his spirit that it's time now. The one that is prophesied that is going to betray me is going to betray. And, and I think it's important for us to recognize that sometime this type of troubling, if we're really going to be able to, to, to gauge what it really means, it has to begin in the spirit, in our spirit, which means it has to begin by what we recognize is the purpose of God and what we have committed ourselves to, what we were created upon this earth to fulfill. And, and so, you know, if something strange happens uh, and one of these events happens, the best thing you can do is focus back upon your eternal identity in God. And let that be your foundational point, and you'll not only be able to survive the moment, but from that perspective, you will recognize and learn things from that moment that will be a treasure to you, and you'll also be positioned to move forward. Just as I believe Jesus was positioned to move forward, I think that troubling with Lazarus was, okay, now it is, it is really time for this miracle to occur, and whatever the far-reaching ramifications of it were uh, would be, which I still don't think we recognize. Maybe God will show us some further things about it, because it wasn't just raising somebody from the dead, uh, even though that is profound. There was something amazingly significant that happened there, and he registered in his spirit. Now, also in John 12, um, now is my soul troubled. 
what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. Now, there, this troubling moment was also affecting his emotions and his thinking, as it would any of us. But how does he respond? What am, what am I going to say? Father, get, get me, uh, remove me from this? I came here for this. And so, you know, one of the ways that we have navigated over the years, and we do this in life, if you really want to be successful, you're going to face rough roads. You're going to face things that are hurtful. You're going to face things that, that stretch you to the very point of your breaking. And um, that's how, how you deal with things in that moment will determine whether you succeed or whether you're an abject failure. And I want to succeed, and I know you do, too. Um, so many things here at this church, the reason when, when a troubling moment, biblically, when a moment is happening um, and you're threatened, we've had many of those, and your, your fears are more than just spiritually uh, stimulated. There are very real concerns, and your mind knows them, and you want to react emotionally. Um, the best thing you can say is what Jesus said. What am I going to do? I mean, this is, this is a moment of, of great import. Am I going to ask the Father to get me out of this? I can't, I, I'm in this because of him. And that is a point of strength. And how many times have we said this? The greatest point of strength we have is our commitment to the purpose of God, which is why agape is the greatest gift. We are committed to him. We are, we are firmly entwined with the passion for his purpose. That's what agape is. And from that point of strength, we can weather everything else through the grace and the wonder of the Lord. And, and so when Jesus was registering right there in the middle of these two troublings, we looked at John 11 and John 13, troubled in spirit. Right in the middle of them was John 12, where he was troubled in soul, his emotions, his thoughts. And how did, he, how did he overcome in that? Well, this is what the Father called me to do. Well, how am I, uh, uh, what do you want me to pray? Get me out of this? I came here for this. And, and when, when there is one of these types of moments, the, the best and only foundational uh, positioning you can take is that you are sent to this earth to serve the Father for such a time as this. And your emotions and your thoughts are going to have to draw back to that point of identity because it's the Father that has brought you there, and he's the one that is going to be glorified in it. And so you just really have to speak to your mind and you have to speak to your emotion, look, this is the Father's business, and let it be done at that. Does that make sense? Now, if the Lord had to do that, how much more do we have to do that? Now, I like what Jesus said then in John 14. Boy, there's a string of them there, isn't there? 11, 12, 13, now 14, he says, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in the Father, well, believe also in me. Let not your heart be troubled. And 
this is important because remember what we've studied about the heart and what it is uh, in uh, its significance in who you are. The heart is the spirit steering wheel of your life. If, if you are with the heart, man believes. You know, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And if you can submit yourself to the spirit and can cause your mind to yield itself to the directive of the Spirit, because the mind, the Bible tells us, is always going to want to fight against what the Spirit is doing. It's an enmity, Paul said. So you got to recognize that, and you can't let it gain the upper hand. And, and if you can get your emotions submitted to what the Spirit is doing, and you can come into, into a measure of agreement before the Father on that, then that, that constitutes your heart. This is my directive. This is what I am, this is where I am going. This is what I have committed myself to. And that's your heart. That, that's your heart. And so the Bible, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. They were coming into a time where every part of who they were was going to be challenged. Now, some of them succeeded to a greater degree than others during those climactic moments. But he really addressed their heart. Why didn't he address their spirit? Why didn't he address their, their soul? It seemed that that would have been an easier thing. Peter, just calm down. Don't be cursing when the cock crows three, the third time. He didn't address that. He was talking to their heart. Because that's the thing, when all the dust settles, that you're going to know whether you kept that car on the road or if you've swerved off into the ditch. You know, just keep your bearings. No matter what the storm is, keep focused on the direction you're supposed to be on. Keep your bearings. No matter how the wind is blowing, keep your bearings. And that isn't decided uh, depending upon what's happening in the last two minutes. Does that make sense? You got to, as George Bush, the elder, used to say, stay the course. Make sure you're on the right course, but stay the course. Um, so let not your heart be troubled. Then after he, uh, he ascended, after he rose from the dead in Luke 24, verses 38 and 39, he comes and appears to them and he says, why are you troubled? Why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I, myself, handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see me have. So he, he comes, he'd already prophesied that he was going to rise again. They already knew that he was arisen. They, they'd had testimonies from people that they trusted who'd seen him. And, and so he says, why do these thoughts arise in your hearts in conjunction with being troubled? Well, you know, now this is a bigger discussion, but in both of these instances, he's basically saying, if your heart is aligned and if you're listening to what I'm telling you is going to happen, stay on that course. And, and you know, sometimes... You know, the Old Testament says, when the Lord delivered the captivity of Zion, we were as those who dreamed. Sometimes when you get what God has said is coming, it's almost too good to be true. And you think, what? You know, 
<laughs> Weeping's endured for a night, joy's in the morning. I don't hardly know what to do now. I'm so in the in the the weeping mode. I'm so in the in the in the captivity mode and breaking through. Now, here it's like Zechariah. You know, all these years of supplication, finally, here comes the answer and boy, he's going to mouth off and Gabriel says, "Uh, oh, no singing." You know, he, he clamps it off and won't let the guy talk until the baby's born. Sometimes we don't really know um, how to, to deal with the answer when it comes. And, you know, believe it or not, I think that's going to be something we face around here. Things that you've believed for for years are going to start happening in big-time ways. And you've got to position from wartime to peacetime real fast. <laughs> it's not hard. You, you may have some post-stress disorder uh, to, to emerge from that. But, you know, Jesus first says in John 14, don't let your heart be troubled. And then when he comes and he's risen, he says, you know, he addresses the thoughts arising in their hearts, and he says, why, why is your heart troubled, basically? You know, you've, you've steered to this point. You're all still here. Only one of you's gone haywire. And, but why, are, why aren't you embracing this moment? And I think we're, we're at this, this point. And I don't really know what it means, which if I said I did, then I'd be negating this whole thing, wouldn't I? I mean, walking with God is a continual feast. You just don't know what the next step of faith is going to bring, even though what you believe for is there. And I, I know that we've had some moments over these past number of weeks where dynamic visitations have happened. Uh, I think a, a stirring moment, I, I, this is what King James calls it, troubling. A troubling moment is upon us, but we're, we're having... Um, um, what's a good word? Minor quakes of it, maybe uh, Braxton Hicks of it. I don't know, but there are visions, there are visitations, there are healings, there are wonderful things that we've all been experiencing in glorious ways over the of the past few weeks. But I think these are just. As wonderful as they are, they are indications of this major thing that God is, is releasing. And so, how does this have to do with nativity? Well, <clears throat> you have at the culmination of Zechariah's supplication a troubling. And you have at the beginning of Mary's partnership in grace a troubling. <clears throat> and I think that it's, uh, it's kind of a double whammy for us, if I can use that term loosely here. I, I believe that we're, we're going to have a plowman reaper kind of thing where there's going to be uh, an opening of things by God's directive and his timing that are, is just going to be phenomenal and inexplicable. Um, and, but, but I think that it's also going to initiate a, a new positioning and new capacities that we've studied about, but 
haven't really seen an operation, and that's going to open up a whole new field of understanding in the Word. And isn't that glorious? God is always going to be doing that throughout eternity. Um, and so here, nestled into the story of the coming of Jesus, is this issue of troubling, is stirring, it's commotion, it is, it is something invading who you are, who, what your reality has been. And with the terrace also is that issue of being able to look out and see beyond where you've been or where you currently are. And, and really, um, the jury is, is out on whether we're being invaded upon or whether we're being pressed forward into something new. I, I suspect that both of those are happening simultaneously. But this is what happened in regard to the birth of John the Baptist and in regard to the, the coming of Jesus. And it is, it is crucial to the understanding of um, the, uh, the nativity um, dialogue. And so for us, uh, just to sum this up, we see it here in the Word. And this, this term does not just mean to be affrighted. This term means that something of significance, of deep significance, timing significance is happening from the throne, and it puts everybody on heightened alert, and we have to, we have to recognize it. We need to receive the peace and the calming of the Lord and then discern. And, and we've, we've lived that in our, in our past walk with God. In fact, Throughout this day, I think, I'm sure that some of you will remember, you will recall some significant moments that you've shared with the Lord in that regard. But for me, um, I, um, I think that we need, to, we need to guard over our, our spiritual identity in God. We need to guard over how we process things and what we allow to carry the day toward the end of keeping our heart firmly fixed on the path that God is orchestrating in this journey with him. And those things will keep you through a stirring moment. You know, I'll end with, with this. I, I've told this story before. Uh, the one day in prayer here is during the week. I was in the balcony, and uh, all of a sudden, I felt as if something was totally upside down from what I was used to. And there were a lot of things happening back then. So it wasn't like, oh, something spiritual is happening. I mean, and suddenly, I felt like I was dead. I could not breathe. And the first thing I thought was, I, this is an odd thing to think. I got to get up and run out of here. I've got to run out of here. And then I, I just, you know, it's amazing how you can think like 50 different things in one second. Isn't that true? And I thought, well, what good's that going to do? This is God. Am I going to run away from him? That doesn't make any sense. And as soon as that thought, I realized, I thought, well, if I'm, if I'm dead, if God's just going to take me on, this is a good way to go. And uh, I, I felt 
the father, I think, for the very first time that I can remember, the father was drawing near. And that really initiated our pursuit of studying the scripture that spoke about the father and how we're to be before the father and uh, what Jesus' role is in that. And we went then into that season that then resulted in this church being called the Father's Church. And, um, but that to me was a, <laughs> that was an example of a troubling moment. Um, I, I felt, I, I was, it, initially I was petrified. I mean, imagine that. I mean, here you are, and suddenly, life as you know it is done, and you can't breathe, and you're thinking, what is, what, what? You know, you, you are just in a strange moment, but then the Spirit of the Lord brought a calming, and there was a season, I don't even know how long it was, where I was just being impacted by the presence of God. And then through those next couple of days, there was a strong yearning to study about the Father and um, how that has affected me and how that has inputted into all of our walk together. I think that that troubling moment did impact our course. Now, what is this troubling moment going to do? And Again, many of you, you have heard the testimonies, have been having unusual visitations from God, unusual prophetic insight. We've heard about them. But, but I think all of those culminate together into this transitional moment that God has been warning us about for years. And boy, hasn't it been strange. Since he's first talked about this transition, we've seen some major culling, haven't we? Some major refinement, some major additions and major subtractions. We've wondered what in the world is happening here, but then the blessing of the Lord is just overwhelming. It's like there were contradictory points where fear was sweeping through the land, but we were nestled into the goodness of God and our coffers are being filled. Uh, isn't God good about that? That should be a sign for all of us. All these threats against uh, our life and, and health over the years, and yet here we are still here. How did God do that? I don't know. But what, what is God doing? I think we need to expect and know, even just from the standpoint of seeing this in the Scripture, we see this as the way God moves. Whatever you think about what I described that happened to me yesterday, which I have never had happen in that house, and I don't know that I really want it to happen again in that way. That was kind of petrifying. But it means something for all of you. It means something for us. You've had things like this, maybe not the same way, but you've had a lot of things like this happening. Let's rejoice and let's look forward. Now, I want to say one more thing before I let you go. Um, it was referenced earlier, and we've heard it all day, of the number of people in our body who've been facing various physical scenarios that, you know, I wish none of them would be happening. I don't want anybody to have to go through any kind of traumatic thing. Some of you are still battling things. Some of you don't feel very well today. 
and and I I don't like that, you know, I, I you know that's that's no news flash. There's not an anointing to say that. I just don't like it because I love you and I don't want you to have to face these things. But I declare an overcoming for each of you. I declare an overcoming. You you are going to emerge from this season whole and healthy and well and better than you were. Better than you were. So I ask for the Spirit of the Lord to release His presence to each of you. And, and that whether you're listening or watching online or, or whether you're here in this place, I ask that the hand of God would surround you and that you would feel His strength and whatever has been coming against you, whatever you've been battling against, you would know the strength of God coming to bear against that thing. And I speak health. I speak life, I speak promotion, I speak favor, I speak restoration, I speak everything that you need. I release that into you now in Jesus' name. From this proverbial pool of Bethesda, I ask that the stirring of the waters would captivate you and that you will be first fruits recipients of what God is doing. From the Father, you need this. He loves you. It's yours. And I ask that he would encourage you and strengthen you. Listen, we've been given the best. We've been given the most phenomenal calling. And um, it's, it's just an honor to walk in this with you. But the most important thing is it's an honor for us all to walk with our Father in it, isn't it? So be blessed. And... Um, Maybe we can write a Christmas hymn about troubling. What do you think? Uh, there aren't any hymns about troubling, are there? There aren't any. Debbie, get on that, will you? Uh, let's get a troubling banner going, and uh, we'll have a Christmas troubling carol. What? Oh, there it is. Nobody knows like Jesus. All right. Father, thank you for this time, and thank you for what you're doing. Help us not to miss any part of your leading. Help us to learn of you, and help us not to overlook the precious things, that those precious flowers of understanding that are surrounding the pathway. Help us to not focus on the minuscule, but focus on the, the objective from you. And let us learn and let us move forward in the ways that you have desired. I bless this wonderful congregation and our saints' family, and we thank you for this, for we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you all. Don't forget about cookies. Sorry for those of you online. We're not mailing you any. There are cookies, so please get some.